Welcome, this is Leading with Spirit, the show that gives you an in-depth look at topics like what it takes to navigate your spiritual journey, how to heal yourself and grow your spiritual gifts, and balanced practices to expand your business and your spiritual leadership. I'm your host, Spirit Bird, shamanic teacher, healer, and author, here to guide you on your journey to becoming your most potent spiritual leader. Right. Hello and welcome. I'm so excited to bring a special guest with you, share her with you today. Stephanie Arena Jones is a number one best-selling author of Shaman Heart, Turning Pain into Passion and Purpose, a number one billboard songwriter, internationally touring artist, minister, master of Toltec, breathwork facilitator, teacher, and co-founder of Freedom Folk and Soul. Stephanie is a singer, a teacher, a writer, a healer, a soul seer, a dreamer, a mama, a sister, a friend, a wife, and a lover of life. Welcome, Stephanie. Oh, welcome. <laughs> I'm so happy to see you. Yeah, I've been looking forward to connecting more with you, so I'm excited to be here with you today. Me too. <laughs> and I always love the bio and intro because it's like, all of the things that we do and all of the things that we put out in the world. And then it's like, put it into like just a few words here. <laughs> right. And it. Exactly. So one of the things that I am really fascinated with the work that you do is this combination of your own soul journey and your work with the Toltec medicine wheel and breath work, but you're also a musician and a singer. And um, this might be a, a big question, but I'm curious about um, if you can track the different threads of the things that you like to do in your life and how they started to weave together into this person you are. Well, I remember, and I, I wrote on the book Sacred Death with our publisher, Brave Healer Productions, Laura DeFranco, on Sacred Death, I wrote this profound moment that I didn't even know until I was invited to, to write my chapter of witnessing being present at four years old when my grandfather, who was my person, he was like, you know, my rock. That's who saw me, who held me, who played with me and he died and um, his, his death for me was this connection with death. I thought whatever happened to him, wherever he went, that's where I want to go. Mm. I want it because I loved him so much. So in my mind, in my childlike mind, I connected death with life mm. and with deep, deep love. And what was born in that first well of grief was my first vision. And I don't remember much of my childhood because of some childhood trauma, but I remember this moment, this connection with the divine, with the great mystery of life, and literally not just seeing, but feeling, knowing, experiencing, being on a stage, and I was in white, and it was like the heaven was singing through me to the audience, to a sea of people and their energy was coming back into me and going back to heaven. And so it was so visceral and real. And it was my first connection with spirit, you know? 
And soon after that, you know, my grandfather died, my parents were divorced. Um, some things happened and I felt very alone. I was an only child and I connected to nature. We lived in the country. And so, you know, the dogs and the crickets and the, and the, and the doodle bugs <laughs> and the trees and music, music, you know, so it's the music I had a little, at the time I was a little suitcase record player and I would go, I, it was just long enough, like, you know, to reach the little, um, plug in into my closet and I would go in there and I literally, my song was, my dad had sent me tapestry by you've got a friend and I would just rock myself and I could feel her spirit, Carol King, whatever was happening in that studio when they recorded that I could feel her spirit. And I really felt like I had a friend, you know? And so, you know, of course, and I had this natural gift that evolved, you know, people saying you can sing, but attached to that was also this incredible shame that I carried from my lineage and from things that happened in my childhood. You know, we don't even know what's going on. I didn't, I couldn't have told you that was what was happening. All I know is that when attention was put on me, I felt shame mm -hmm. and I wanted to run. And so it took me a long time and and you know literally on my grandmother's deathbed her talking to my grandfather on the other side and talking to me and telling me this is 20 years ago now mija that means little girl you are going to be a mensajera you are going to be a messenger you're going to be sharing our culture and she said this country music with chili peppers <laughs> with the world you know and I was like, I can't, you know, I didn't even, I don't even speak Spanish. I can't make an enchilada. How can I be a messenger? But she said I would. And it was again, another transcendent moment that marked my life and gave me the courage because I was connected to the divine and to her to go through the painful experience of recalibrating, recovering those childhood parts of myself that had had to go away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is what then led me to my own healing practice, desperately seeking over 25 years ways to not want to die mm -hmm. and eventually to learn how to live and sing and then becoming passionate about sharing and being a sacred witness for other people because of the joy that I now live with connected to my passion, connected to the great mystery of life, God, whatever you want to call it, and being in alignment, working with other people. So exactly. that is a super long answer. <laughs> but there you go. Uh -huh. Yep. Well, it's usually not so simple and direct, you know? Um, I'm curious about, um, when you sort of how some of that unfolded for you, when you've heard that message from your grandmother and probably some of those pieces started coming together, did it feel like, okay, I got it. I got to do this. Or did it feel like was the, um, singing part of your, your story kind of what led the way, or did it take a long time before any of that even came together into clarity for you? It took a long, long time. I'm 55. I moved to Nashville when I was 
23. I had been in bands. I knew that I had a gift. I had had that vision. But when I would sing, it was so painful that I would have to either medicate and I couldn't be present. And I was ultimately fired for, you know, getting on a stage and freezing, mm -hmm. you know, in front of 5,000 people because I just didn't have the infrastructure to hold myself in that, you know? And so at that time I thought, okay, I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to work in the music industry. And I worked as a publicist. I worked as an assistant in a studio. I worked, you know, catering and waiting tables mm -hmm. and, you know, found out that I had a gift at writing songs and that evolved really quickly. And I was a writer for Sony music making, you know, starting to really hit as a writer. And I thought, this is great. You know, I don't have to be in the light. This is what this is must be what God meant for me to do, you know, to be a transistor radio for the words and the melodies. And so, mm -hmm. but then when she died, I was 33 and I was married and this was not my, I didn't think that I had it. All the stories in Nashville is like, you're too old at 30 mm -hmm. years old, you know? And so I just started I didn't want to do it, but I knew in my heart, I had that conviction of knowing. And so I started, that's really when I got into my own level of recovery and therapy and, and started booking dates and booking a band and trying to find my way. I went to Mexico and again, fell in love with my culture. Mm -hmm. Um, and really the road, this is interesting that you should ask. I went to Mexico right after she passed away and I was in school to learn about my culture that I didn't know so much about. And I opened up the newspaper that was completely in Spanish and there was one little section in English and it said a gathering of healers. Mm. And I got that like, you know, I don't know what that word is. I didn't even know. I'd never heard that word, but I know I have to go there. And I went and worked with a healer and we did, she did breath work in this little casita outside of this little Puebla in Mexico. And I felt the Holy Spirit or whatever you want to call it. And I began to awaken. Mm -hmm. And once I got that, it was like, all right, it's in my body. These stories, these beliefs, this pain, it's in my body. And so I started finding all these different modalities that helped me get to whatever was keeping me from living what I was destined to, to do and to, to live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The human body is amazing the way it carries stories and lineage, even if we feel like we aren't connected to it. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. It is amazing. It's amazing. And I feel um, that's why I really love my both. I love, I get to sing at these most amazing events and festivals all over the world and live that dream that she saw and enjoy it to be in my body and it doesn't hurt anymore. Mm -hmm. Not ricocheting off with trauma, an old story, 
you know? So I know it's possible to transform that pain into passion and purpose. And so I love, you know, holding sacred ceremony and experiences for people knowing that their soul knows what to do to heal, you know, it's it, it, their heart, their intent and our sacred, you know, witness. And it's, it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so tell me a little bit more about mm, that spot where it, I, I'm interested in that spot where you move from, okay, I'm doing music to then while well, I'm writing music to then actually I do get to use my voice again. How did the healing work and the journey work you were doing, did that support that process? Absolutely. I spent 15 years and I talk about this in traditional counseling therapy. Like my dad was like, you need help at 23. My body started to break down. I had Graves disease. You know, of course the body was telling a story and so i found a therapist who was an amazing witness and that was powerful i understood my wounds i understood my trauma but i could not exercise or transform them yet Mm -hmm. and then i went through a divorce um i was had gone my grandmother had died i was going going to mexico had the vision of what i was supposed to do and uh, started to move in the direction of that. And when I went from being a songwriter, which is a very kind of stable, stationary life, you're at home with your family, to being a recording artist and traveling, um, that didn't work for that marriage. Mm-hmm. And so he you know, asked me for a divorce and that turned me, it, it was the great bonfire of, of my life. Mm -hmm. Everything, all the old stories, I'm not worthy. I'm not wanted. Um, I'm not good enough. Something is wrong with me. All the stories that had been on replay that I had somewhat been able to put down as I did therapy were just like came up. Mm -hmm. And I was just in desperation, desperation. And my publicist at the time sent me to this weekend retreat and it was the Toltecs, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz and the Four Agreements. So it was a collection of Toltec teachers, Heather Ash, Amara was there. Um, and now my husband was leading a sweat lodge. So there was breath work, there was um, Toltec teachings, a firewalk, an overnight ceremony, ceremony called a matote. And all of it kind of brought all of this pain up to a boil And in that ceremony, something was truly transmuted and transformed. And not that that was the end of it, it wasn't. It was the beginning of understanding that it was in my body. And I met my husband in that medicine wheel, Jeremy. And, you know, he was doing all kinds of ceremonies and experiences every single weekend. He was a founder of a healing, you know, um, place called Laughing Winds. And so, I rapidly, rapidly, rapidly transformed. Mm -hmm. And at that same time, I thought, okay, I'm just going to work in this world now. I'm going to devote myself to the healing world because I'm so passionate about what's happening. And um, I was at a weekend retreat and this woman who was a seer came up to me and she said, 
you were born to sing and you are going to be traveling all over the world. I can almost cry right now. <laughs> I can feel it in my body too. <laughs> I know. I was like, what? Like, I, I can't, like I'm, I'm broke. I'm broken. I, I can't, I had been, you know, it was going to be the Latina of country music. They were going to release me with a million dollars campaign. And when I went through a divorce, they pulled all that. Mm -hmm. So I had this like amazing mm -hmm. album called fiery angel. And it was just sitting on the shelf. And I was just like, I, I can't. And, um, I went to bed that night at that weekend retreat and this woman had heard that lady saying that this was my destiny and she wrote a check for a thousand dollars and put it under my pillow with a note that said your job this week is to book a gig and so i mean that was you know the beginning again and i'm so grateful for it because every moment from that moment on, and my grandmother passing has been absolutely cosmic breadcrumb. You cannot, it was it, destiny. And it's not just for me. I think that it's for me to share because it's for all of us. You know, it's when those broken moments, when we're finally broken open and willing to surrender, we don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Finally, something that loves us can come in and usher us to the next moment and we can feel like oh yeah i'm not alone mm -hmm. right <laughs> yeah yeah how did you find the trust to keep going through all that i, I feel like sometimes <clears throat> we can get a picture painted for us that it's like we know or that like it's so clear or that there's no choice in the matter, um, or that we have to have it figured out before we move forward. And I'm just curious how that felt for you. If, how it feels. Yeah. How it feels. <laughs> I'm so much better at it now. It's a shorter distance from when I'm like, because probably like you, I see things, I know things from born from my pain is this wisdom. I see into things. I know things for myself and for other people. So I'm like, why can't that just be, why can't that just happen? And then here comes that little younger part of myself who was, you know, abandoned. And that comes into play in that moment. And I really have to learn how to nurture and minister and mother that moment and that little dreamer. And sometimes it's really simple, you know, and some and easy. And other times it takes me weeks or months and I'm wrestling because that's what happens, you know, when you don't feel safe as a little kid. You grow up and I'm 55, but I'm four years old and my grandfather just died and I'm alone and I'm scared. And then I have to like almost parent myself in that moment and remind myself. And so I've gotten really good at it. And that's part of what I do with people is not only sharing that my life experience, but helping hold them in that moment and then connecting those moments down the road. So it still happens. It happened yesterday, you know, because the dreams are just, they're getting, I don't like bigger. They're, they're just bigger, ama more amazing creations that I'm able to hold and um, 
to hold and to minister to, you know? I think that's an important thing to point out because I, I found that on my journey as well, that there's a place of kind of planting seeds and having the patience to let them grow and also continuing to speak to life and, and name your dreams. And then also having the experience of life, giving me something that's beyond what I even <laughs> had the yeah. imagination to dream up. <laughs> it's like, we are a farmer of dreams. We really are. And it's just like, it is like, you know, one of the gifts of the Toltec um, wisdom is to dream it like not even just dream it with your mind. I mean, dream it, like feel it. It's happening. Mm -hmm. And then let it go. Mm -hmm. Attach and detach and attach. And I know I'm working my wellness when I'm, when it's easier for me to do that. Yeah. But I'm human. (laughs) And so many days it's, you know, I'm a a crazy girl, you know, (laughs) And that's okay. That's okay. I mean, we're harvesting the next, you know, we are rebirthing humanity. You and I are a part of that. Everybody is a part of it. We're becoming conscious of it. And it's birth is messy. <laughs> Moving through contractions sometimes. and Totally. I Listen, when I had my daughter, like, you know, you would think, I, I would think if I was saw my book or all this stuff like oh, I bet she just was really good when she had her baby mm-hmm. but when I I was like heading down the highway like I don't want to do this mm-hmm. I do not want to do this I was terrified of pain and becoming a mother and so um it's been messy and it's also what's made it really good mm-hmm. you know So tell us a little bit. So I want to hear about the book, but first I would love to hear about um, your spirit name, Shaman Heart, Hmm. and how that came forward. Well, I was um, going through this wreckage moment years. It was a few years. And I had come to this workshop and I had met um, a, a healer. And she gave me that name, she mm-hmm. said, and, and I really appreciate it because it, I didn't understand it in that moment. And frankly, because I live in a very, in a lot of worlds, I live in a lot of conservative worlds as a country singer, mm-hmm. the word shaman, I was like, what, you know, I, I was afraid of that word. But over time, it really, um, I, I live it. I'm able to hold my own darkness and nurture it and love it and bring it to the light and honor it and the darkness of my lineage. And then I can walk with anyone, nothing, you know, I've heard and felt and witnessed horrific things that are inconceivable for someone to experience. And I'm honored to be present as they share, as people share that. And as that is transformed into their power and into their wisdom, you know, 
it's not an overnight thing, but it's, uh, it's the deepest of reverence. Right. And so I walk with that and I've come to own that when I, someone invited me uh, to make an album of my transformational journey and song. I really labored over my dad said, Stephanie, you should call it born, be call it born to love, which is the first song, you know, he's like, you know, you'll be invited to, into so many more spaces. But for me, it was important to come out of the closet and to mm -hmm. step forward with this that I know and understand and value, especially at this time on the planet. Mm -hmm. And so it was me like, it's I'm shaman heart. And, and, and this wisdom, not my wisdom, but the wisdom of the ages and of the indigenous is so important for us to have these new understandings. Mm -hmm. So that's where it came from. Beautiful. I'm going to share a quick anecdote. <clears throat> so I went through a journey with, um, with my name as well. And when it came in, um, I was in ceremony and spirit was like, introduce yourself this way, say I'm spirit bird. And so I did. And it felt like, you know, felt like I landed. Um, but then I went through probably another year and a half journey with all of the things. It's like, I'm never going to be one of those people, <laughs> just the name right. and, you know, being careful about, um, you know, respecting different lineages and also not wanting to have attention or be showy. Also, do I want to explain myself, you know, or have to have these conversations with everybody? Actually, now I go by this. And um, it was actually just a couple of months ago, I was at um, uh, an event called Great Rhythm Revival um, up in New York and some drumming and holistic workshop um, retreat festival. And so I'm now introducing myself this way. And there was um, a beautiful lady there that I chatted with one night and the next morning she came up to me and she was kind of in tears and she was like, I have something I want to share, but I'm not, not quite ready yet. And then, um, later that morning, um, she shared actually in group, um, that, um, she had, she had lost a little girl, um, year 30 plus years prior and that she in her grief work and journey work, um, had got a message that, um, her daughter's spirit would return. And when it did, it would come in like a spirit bird and she knew her daughter would be, was okay. <laughs> I'm just like, Ugh. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and such a beautiful experience um, for her to give me, but also like a teaching that it's like, oh, this is not even about me. <laughs> right. All the worries that I had about bringing that forward. Well, I so appreciate you sharing that because, you know, for any of, I don't know, for me, I see you. And it seems so natural. I'm like, I have such a respect. Mm -hmm. Like I've never known you anything else. And it feels mm -hmm. so natural. And I'm so grateful for you stepping into it. So I appreciate you sharing your own insecurity with that, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's amazing because some of the most, the coolest people that I meet are those of us who are, being invited to step in to walk between the worlds in these ways and to mm -hmm. become public more public about it you know and to share our journey you know so thank you <laughs> walking with me <laughs> yeah so, so then you ended up you did name your album shaman heart 
I did. Mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. I named my album Shaman Heart. And I was already, you know, really, I didn't have the words for it, but really quickly, Jeremy and I opened, we started Freedom Folk and Soul, which was originally a music festival. And it just kind of evolved into a nonprofit with all these Native American and Toltec ex journeys and experiences. And um, the album came. And as I did my healing work, all the dreams, it was kind of like I tell people, it's like my dreams that that was given as, as a singer, as an artist. It's like they were in a cash register. And when I did the healing work that held all those beliefs of like, you're not worthy, you're not wanted, you're not pretty enough, you're too old, and on and on and on, that I believed as those got turned down, it's like the cash register just went, and all these opportunities just came. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had to catch up to them. I've had to continue to do my work to be able to stand in that light and that joy. Um, but I just, I think it's, for me, it's like the most important thing that it really was the healing that then allowed the dreams to, to come to life, you know, and to enjoy them, not like I'll be happy when, but to really enjoy them. And yeah, so, and you were gonna, I was gonna share with you about the book, if that's okay. Let's do, yeah. So um, last year, I, um, got a got a, a call from atlantis wolf emily atlantis wolf and she had done a workshop with with uh jeremy and i called the sacred rebel we'd done it online when COVID was happening and she had been plugged into brave healer productions and and was writing on this book called sacred death and so she told me a little bit about it and i talked to the author um hamali vora and I had known in my mind, probably I would write a book or something, you know, sometime. But I was so surprised that it was so clear that this was my first time to be an author, to write on sacred death. Like, really? I'm a country singer. <laughs> right? Like, this is like, and I had a little trip, but I knew that I knew. And even my manager at the time and my husband, they were like, what are you doing? This is crazy. You know, but I knew my grandmother wanted me to tell the story of midwifing her between this world and the next and that transcendent moment that then laid the, you know, open the everything for, for the rest of my life. And so I wrote and I loved the experience so much. It was so healing to be a part of a collective vortex of intent. I was in awe with the people that were writing that were many of them mediums or they were people that were death doulas. This was their life work. I felt insecure, like, what am I doing? But I knew that I was supposed to write. And I loved the experience and what was happening inside of me so much that in the middle of writing, this giant vision opened visceral again. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool to do this way. But what if it was a journey where all the authors were on a journey together? Mm -hmm. 
and that was healing and transformative, which we lead journeys in the pyramids of Teotihuacan, they're always transformative. They're always powerful. It's a giant altar and vortex. You bring your art, your, the heart, you put your heart on that altar, you know? So I called Laura, the publisher, and I said, I have this dream. Like, I want to, can we, can we do an author's journey? And she, yes, immediately, you know, and it went, we were on and in the middle, it was a tail end of, of the COVID travel, you know, 25 authors landed in Mexico city airport within three hours of each other. And we took this epic journey and wrote what became shaman heart, mm-hmm. turning pain into passion and purpose. And this right here, this is the pyramid of the moon. And it is, this is the right here. This is the Avenue of the dead. So you quite literally walk back through your life, recapitulate through your life down the Avenue of the dead to make peace with, to let go of, to transform the pain, these stories that happen to us, these things. And so that we can be rebirthed. And if you look at this, this is like legs, this Mm. is legs. This is the woman's, you know, her, her, her power right here. Here's the, here's the belly of the great mother. So you quite literally are rebirthed your pain into your passion and purpose. And so it was, it was amazing. The journey was amazing. The experience, the connection, the community that happens when you all come together and lay your heart on an altar like this and share your story with each other. And then we all left, went home and wrote the next month. We all got so tight, you know, Mm -hmm. we're, we're still communicating on our messenger all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, it was so powerful. And then the, it came out and it rocked and it's touching so many people's lives. You know, so it's been awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love your uh, ability, even or despite the discomfort to continue to say yes to life. Thank you. It's still on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, and I want to share with you, you know, it's so interesting to me, like your experience with the woman at this event every single person the big players that have wanted to work with me in my music career Mm. have all been attracted to the healing work that i do Mm. which i find like you know that which i was wanting to hide is what they're most drawn to Mm -hmm. people are and that's so cool you know um so thank you for saying that and i need your courage too (laughs) (laughs) so then um you were interested in leading us through some of the toltec medicine wheel of transformation teachings is that something that you feel available for still i would love it i would love it and really i just kind of want to take you through the toltec medicine wheel when jeremy and i were you know how can we share medicine how can we share a a a map of transformation because the soul likes pattern 
We like, we feel safe when we know, okay, we're on a journey and we're going to stop in Memphis and pick up some barbecue. So you're going to get fed. (laughs) Right. So, um, we, we met in a medicine wheel in a sacred Matote ceremony. So we, and he has been adopted into the Lakota tribe. So we redesigned the story of the wheel. There's many stories of this ancient symbol. And, you know, most of the stories, every, you know, culture has their own way that they go. But we felt into it from a healing journey of how the soul could be invited through to recapitulate, to reclaim, to bring home parts of ourselves that we may not even be aware that had to go away from trauma. We, I mean, somebody could have said something not meaning anything, but it rocked us so hard that we get frozen or part of us goes away. And so the whole point of healing and recovery is for our other, these parts that had to go away to be reclaimed and to come back. So we call it the medicine wheel of transformation. So we start, obviously our life is at a crossroad. My life is always at a crossroad. Something (laughs) is at a crossroad, you know? I'm dealing with how how comfortable I am on camera. I'm dealing with how feeling unworthy. I'm dealing with my relationships not being, you know, a reflection of love. I'm not saying that's right now, but I'm just saying these are just people at a crossroad in their life. Mm -hmm. We come to the medicine wheel at a crossroad and we start our medicine wheel in the West. Mm -hmm. This is the place of introspection. It's the place of the black bear. I love the black bear. It's, you know, knows how to find its medicine. It will go hunt those roots and find the medicine that it needs. And ultimately we know that we are our own healer, that we are the medicine man or woman. So it's taking responsibility in the West, taking that pause and going in and putting our staff in the ground and saying something is going to change, Mm -hmm. ready to change. And in that place of the West, it's also the place of the water. And we surrender. We, we surrender. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know how this is going to transform, but I'm, I, I give. Mm-hmm. And we step into the river and we let go. And we let this process carry us. And from the West, we go to the North, which in our mythology is the family of origin and our ancestors. It's the place of the buffalo that teaches us of generosity. And in that place, we believe that our ancestors and that pathology and the lineage of pain that we may be carrying, that, that, the, that story of we are the ones we've been waiting for. And they're waiting for us to give it back. They want us to give it back. So it's coming for us, that sexual abuse that's in my lineage, those pathologies of addiction, And so it's coming for me and it's in my family of origin and all these stories. So we do ceremony to call all that forward, you know, bring it up to a boil. And then we do sacred ceremony in the North to give it back. Mm. Okay. And from the North, we go on our wheel to the below. We call Mm. it shadow and grace because when you call forward some of those lineages of our family and our ancestors it can be overwhelming what has come from that 
you know, for me, the shame and the addiction and all the ways that I acted out, what I did to medicate that pain for so long mm -hmm. could just take me down. And so we just go there. We go to the great below and we call all those shadow pieces that had to go away forward. And then we surrender them again to the great mother. And we call that grace and we literally do a burial ceremony, you know, where we dig a grave and we bury these stories, these experiences. And from that shadow and grace, you can imagine you're feeling, oh, well, wow, maybe I can, maybe I can have new life. And we are then reborn in the East because a part of us has been released and has been given grace and a new understanding. And we are reborn in the East into our childhood with a new life force and a new joy. Seeing life through the eyes of a child, we can reparent ourselves in situations and feel that love that many of us didn't feel and that I want you and I think you're kind of amazing, right? So we can feel that childhood wonder and from the East, with that new perspective, we move into the South, which for us, we call it our sacred rebel. <laughs> this is a part of our self where many of us, we lost our way and our, the power source of our sexuality, our creation, you know, and we went against ourselves because we didn't know how we lost our voice. We lost our sexuality. We lost our power. We didn't know how to initiate through this powerful time in our life, we got shut down, mm. you know, some way. And so we lost our sovereignty. And so we go back and recapitulate and do ceremony to bring back that sacred rebel, that power, that yes, that no, that fuck you, that I want you, I want, I don't want. Mm. And we feel empowered. We bring our power back. And from the South, we go to the center of the wheel and we marry it all. We honor ourselves for this journey that we've been through in our life before and in this journey, taking responsibility of our life. I own, I honor the liar. I honor the cheater. I honor all the things I did to myself and to other people. And I take responsibility and I honor it because that's the best I could do. And I love myself and I marry all of it, my darkness and my light and my love and my passion and my crazy. And from that place of the within, we go to the above and we can dream a new dream. We are powerful dreamers. We've reclaimed our life, all of it and our ancestors and we own it and we dream and we have the personal power to create that dream, harvest that dream, right? So that <laughs> is the Toltec medicine wheel of transformation. Beautiful. <laughs> Can you feel it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel it every time. Uh, I'm so grateful to, I just love it. You know, the soul knows what to do. We just need witnesses you know in whatever way i know that's what you do too with people that you work with and i'm so grateful to you <laughs> <laughs> oh man there's so many other things that i'd love to <laughs> explore and play with you but thank you so much for sharing that beautiful teaching and 
part of your story. I'm sure there's a lot more in there as well. Mm-hmm. And I'll be sure to, of course, share your links where people can learn more about you. Anything that you'd like to add while we have you here together? I think I just want to say to any dreamer out there, like whether you're, you know, living your love and full tilt boogie and just like tweaking some things here and there, or if you're just like completely depressed and almost despondent and suicidal, because I was for 30 years of my life, you know, and it's important for me to share that, that, you know, that you can, that can be transformed, that there really, we're living in a time where you can find your people, you will be guided to your people to find your way. And it is possible to transform your life and to find your purpose and your passion and your love for yourself and for your life. And I just hope that you can feel from me that no matter what, how bad it is, how broke you are, how broken you are, it's absolutely possible with your heart's intent. That's what I want to say. (laughs) It's good to hear your voice. It's so great to (laughs) meet you (laughs) and live what I knew the minute we connected. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Last year. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, Stephanie Salmon Hart, thank you for joining us here today. Again, I'll be happy to share your links here <clears throat> and love to hear from, from our listeners. If anything from um, Stephanie's story is connected to you, please be, please share with us. I'd like to hear from you. <laughs> Thanks again, Stephanie. Thank Bye-bye you. For now. Thank you. Welcome to today's member query episode, where we explore questions about spiritual paths, intuitive gifts, growing a spiritual business, and shamanism. Do you have a question for us? Send us a DM at Holton Healing Arts. Have you been hearing the call to expand your spiritual gifts and step into your next level of conscious leadership? If you're a coach, healer, or a spiritual leader, you can learn more about Shaman School and growing your spiritual business on our website, HoltonHealingArts.com, or send me a DM at Holton Healing Arts. So question from one of our Instagram followers from a while back actually is, what is the term psychopump? I've heard that with um, different types of shamanism and within different mystic circles, and I don't know what that is. And so the term actually comes from a Greek word, um, but typically the way it's used now is to refer to um, a spirit or a deity or a person even who guides lost souls to the other side to the dead or to the afterlife. And so the need or the purpose for this um, comes in a couple different ways. So um, in a lot of mythology, when souls cross over, this portal from this world to the other world is opened. And so to have someone there that monitors in between worlds would actually help protect that only what's passing through, only what should be passing through is passing through. So in a way, it's actually a garden, a guardian between the two worlds. Um, also what it's used for a lot when we're talking about humans as psychopumps is when somebody has passed 
and they haven't actually crossed over to the other side. Um, as I shared at the beginning of this, this can be from various different reasons. And so what that person actually gets really good at is being able to connect with that lost soul, help them do the work that they need to do to either complete their business um, or understand what has happened to them, understand that they actually have passed. And from there, actually open up the portal and guide them over to that portal so that that soul can move on. So it's really interesting work. Um, you'll probably be called to this work if you're also called to death doula work. Um, also just kind of hap, um, helping to make sure that all of the parts from that person are collected when they actually cross over. And sometimes it's instantly and sometimes it takes a while. You know, when we lose a family member, it takes a while for the people that are remaining to grieve. And so a doula might also actually tend to the energy that's remaining with the individuals that might have an attachment to it. So really interesting work. And I'm definitely um, sure we're going to see a big growth in the death doula industry in the coming years as we're starting to wake up to how important this work is. And as we're changing the way we see death and dying. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Leading with Spirit. If you did, please share the link for this episode with your biggest takeaway, tagging me at Holton Healing Arts. It would also support me if you subscribed and left a rating and review of the show so we can support more people living their highest purpose. Until next time, journey on.